So I do have a message to share tonight. Last week, as you, if you were here, I shared a message about praise, power, and authority. It was, it was some, some um, things that Marlene spoke when she was here that just stirred in my heart. We talked about enthroning God upon our praises here on earth, like we've just been doing. That's exactly what we've been doing for the last 30 minutes. We've been declaring his promises. We've been sharing testimonies. We've been praising him and, and just rejoicing. And when we enthrone him here on earth, we are giving him lordship over the situation. We are putting him on the throne in our life as he is in heaven. In the Our Father, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about enthroning God here on earth as he's enthroned in heaven. We also talked about, as, as, you, were, as you were saying, Jenny, about putting our eyes on the greatness of his power, on the greatness of his manifest power and authority over all. You know, one of the ways that I stand in awe of God is looking at creation. The, the immensity of the creation of the moon, the star, the oceans, the mountains, the, the land, the sea, the animals. That's big. That's how big our God is. We talked about that last week and how when we come in that place of submission and surrender to how big he is and his power and authority, the more surrendered we are, the more authority we have over the things in our life. So that's where we were last week. And that led me to this message, which is entitled, The Anointing destroys the yoke. The anointing destroys the yoke. Anointing is God on flesh doing things that flesh cannot do. Anointing is God doing things only he can do, but doing them through flesh and blood vessels. That's anointing. We're going to see it tonight. We're going to experience tonight. We're going to talk more about the, the presence of God is, the, the, uh, the, what is how the anointing flows. It's not the person. It's God on the person. God on the flesh doing what we can't do on our own. One of the things that I know that I know that I know that I know that I know, and that is that God has anointed me to teach And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I'm humbling myself. Because whenever I teach, the anointing flows. And it's it's not me. It's Holy Spirit through me. He's anointed me to teach. He has anointed human beings with power. I stand in great expectation of that power through me. I believe it. That's what the word says. I stand and believe it. And we believe that that will be um, flowing here tonight as we minister. Pastor Tim's here. I texted him on the way here. I said, Pastor Tim, I'm teaching on the anointing that destroys the yoke. 
I'm inviting you tonight during corporate ministry to flow in that anointing. We know how Pastor Tim flows in the anointing. Many of you know our friend Evan. He's going to be here tonight. We're believing the anointing that is on his life will flow tonight. Yeah. So let's learn more what that is. Listen to the scripture. Isaiah 10 verse 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. This is a prophetic word about Jesus. This is a prophetic word written many, many hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And I want to just unpack it a little bit. It says it shall come to pass because this was written as a prophecy that has been fulfilled. We're going to read about the fulfillment in a minute. It shall come to pass that his burden... And then later it says, his yoke. The pronoun his in that scripture is referring to the enemy. The burden, the oppression, the yoke of the enemy shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. That refers to you and me, our shoulder, and off of our neck. And that yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew word that describes Jesus. It's not his last name. It's a word that was the promise that was to come, the Messiah. Christ is the Greek word, the New Testament word. They mean the same thing. The name Messiah, the word Messiah, the word Christ, both mean the anointed one and his anointing that, flows, that will flow through him. Jesus the Christ, Jesus the anointed one, and the anointing that flows through him. And that's what this prophetic word is referring to. So let me define some of these words. The anointing destroys the yoke. Yoke, the symbol of slavery, servanthood, Forced subjection, burden, load, oppression, bondage to sin. That's all under the enemy's camp. Heaviness, burden, oppression. Sickness is under there. Pain is under there. Lack is under there. Fear is under there. Burden, any kind of burden is in that definition. Bondage, bondage of any kind, specifically bondage to sin and the curse that was a result of sin. But this promise, this this prophetic word says that that yoke would be destroyed. Destroyed means absolutely corrupted beyond use. It means completely ruined. That yoke of the enemy, completely ruined. Broken, destroyed, bound. The enemy's plan, bound, destroyed, completely ruined. His plan, the enemy's plan, ruined. 100% ruined by 
the anointing. The yoke is destroyed by the anointing. Anointing refers to the presence of God through his Holy Spirit. Wow. I just felt the Holy Spirit when I said that. The presence of God through his Holy Spirit. So let's talk about Jesus. Jesus came to fulfill that prophecy. I'm going to share several scriptures to give you evidence that this prophetic word was fulfilled through Jesus. I'm going to start with the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. In the third chapter of Luke, we're looking at where Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. It happened when he was about 30 years old. So the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he was born a man. He was born a baby, but he was born a human being, and he grew in wisdom and stature. He went to the synagogues. He studied under the rabbis. He was learning. He was growing. But it wasn't until the Holy Spirit descended upon him that he began his ministry. Luke 3, verse 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Did you notice that Jesus was praying when the Holy Spirit came? While he, first he was baptized, water baptized. And then while he prayed, the Holy Spirit descended. The next scripture, right after this, right after he was baptized by the Holy Spirit, then the next thing that happened, this is chapter 4, verse, first verse, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. So now he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Remember the scripture we just read that the anointing destroys the yoke. So here he is, destroying the yoke. He went to the desert. He was there fasting and in prayer for 40 days. The enemy was attempting to get him off track. Here's this man of God with a calling on his life. The Holy Spirit's there. The devil doesn't want that. So he's attacking Jesus in the wilderness. But Jesus has the anointing. He has the Holy Spirit, and he overcomes. He is not overcome by the enemy. He overcomes the enemy. Then the next scripture, after he spends 40 days in the wilderness, then he returned in the power of the Spirit, that's the anointing, to the Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in all their synagogues, being glorified by all. So Jesus is baptized in the Jordan. Then he goes, I've been to Israel, so I can just picture this. He, he goes west of the Jordan into the wilderness area, spends 40 days led by the Spirit, breaking the yoke of the enemy, destroying the yoke of the enemy over him. And then from there, he goes north. It's about 70 miles north of Jerusalem. He's at the Sea of Galilee. This is where his center of ministry is, especially the city of Capernaum. So he's in the Galilee area. And what is he doing? He's teaching in their synagogues. That's one of the powerful ways the yoke is destroyed, through truth. That's what he's doing. 
Then he came to Nazareth, which was his hometown. Nazareth was outside of the Galilee, about maybe 20 miles southwest of the Sea of Galilee. Everywhere he goes, he has to walk. So after this time of ministering, in the power of the Spirit, he goes to Nazareth. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus is, is in, in, in his hometown. He's proclaiming this scripture. This prophetic word is a different one than the yoke one. But it's another prophetic word about Jesus. He's reading it. He's proclaiming it. And then he says, this is coming true. The Holy Spirit has anointed me. And what happened? What did he say next? Everything he says, everything he reads from that prophetic word is breaking the yoke. Preaching the gospel, that breaks the yoke. Healing the sick, healing the brokenhearted, that's breaking the yoke of emotional bondage. Healing the blind, healing is breaking oppression. Freeing those that are bound, that are held captive, that are imprisoned. Remember, yoke means Um, uh, bound but he's anointed to free the bound to free the captives to break it off of them that scripture was fulfilled because Jesus was the anointed one Jesus the Christ Jesus the anointed one that word anoint is the the Greek word C-H-R-I-O I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I'm going to say creo. That word, if you look in a concordance, means consecration and furnishing with the necessary powers for the administration of the messianic office. The word consecration means dedicated for a specific purpose. Jesus was dedicated for a specific purpose when that anointing happened, when the Holy Spirit came upon him. It was a dedication for the purpose of fulfilling the messianic office. But he wasn't just dedicated for that purpose. He was also furnished with the power to carry out that purpose. If we look at 1 John 1.8, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The anointing destroys the yoke. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. In Acts 10, 38, one more scripture just to give you evidence that Jesus was this anointed one that came to destroy the yoke of oppression. In Acts 10, 28, Jesus had fulfilled his purpose. He had fulfilled his mission. He'd done it. He had defeated the enemy, finished. And then when he left, 
the book of Acts picks up where he left off. And the, the people were anointed just as Jesus was. And they started to take the message. The church was birthed. They started to take the good news. And they started to, just as Jesus did, they started to have the same anointing upon them. And in chapter 10, they're taking the good news. They're sharing the gospel. And this is one of the pieces of the gospel of Jesus that they share. They said, they were telling how God anointed, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So once again, this gives evidence to what we're talking about. The anointing destroys the yoke. And what did Jesus do with that anointing? He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power and he did good. And what did that good look like? Healing, healing those who were oppressed with a diagnosis, with pain, with symptoms. Pain and sickness and disease, they're not good. I, I like to say this, if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. Jesus came to break that, to destroy it. So Jesus, what made him so distinct? What made him so amazing? Well, he's the son of God. But I want to share two distinctions of Jesus' humanity. The first one, he was born a man, just like every man here. Jesus was born a human being. He was born a man, fully man. But there were two huge differences. The first one was that there was absolutely no sin nature in him. So there was nothing keeping him. There was no barrier between him and his father. He had complete open access to the throne of grace at every moment. We see Jesus praying all over, having that that communion with God. We see him um, declaring that he never does anything unless he sees the Father do it. He never says anything unless he hears the Father. He has this close, close relationship with the Father with no barrier. So that's the first distinction, no sin barrier. The second distinction is that he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Now, before that, in fact, I think I'm going to share this next week. Um, before that, the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament, but the Holy Spirit was only there for specific moments of time, for specific purposes, on, on a specific person, not in, but on. Because of the sin thing, Holy Spirit could not inhabit something that wasn't holy. But Jesus was. So he had that anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now here comes the amazing, amazing news. Flip your paper over. The question is, then what about you? And what about me? Well, the good news is that Jesus has provided the same presence of the Holy Spirit for us in our ministry. 
that he had in his ministry. And we all have a ministry. It might be being a mom. That's an important, probably the most important ministry on this earth. It might be being a teacher. It might be being a businessman. It might be being a Bible um, uh, uh, study leader. Whatever that is. It might be shopping. (laughs) That could be a ministry. Right, Kelly? They go to the marketplace twice a week into the mall, and they look for where God is pointing them to minister. It doesn't matter. We're not going to go there right now. But the point is, Jesus has anointed us all. We all have the same potential. Now, here's some amazing news. Jesus was Jesus the Christ, right? Jesus the anointed one. We are Christians. The word Christian, the title Christian, has the word Christ in it. It literally means little anointed ones with his anointing. We carry that same anointing. We are Christians. And why can we? Well, it's because of Jesus' finished work. Because now Christians have a distinction in humanity, just like Jesus had a distinction in humanity. We have the same two distinctions. Now, the distinctions that we carry are only carried if you are a Christian, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and you now have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So here are the two distinctions. The first distinction is that when you're saved, sin is no longer part of your being. The sin nature has completely been eliminated. The power of sin, the penalty of sin has all been completely taken away from your spirit. Your spirit is perfected. Now your soul and your body may be not, but the spirit part of you is completely perfected. So we are reconciled unto God and there's no barrier between us and God. In the same way that Jesus had no barrier between him and his father. That's the first distinction Christians have have on this earth. We need to recognize that. The second is that we also have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We have the the potential to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk more about that in the next couple weeks. We have that potential. But here's the big question. And this is a question for me and for you. But for me right now, this is something I'm just going to God about. God, how dependent am I on the Holy Spirit? How trusting am I in your spirit so that I don't have to figure out how to do everything, you know? Because we tend to, because we have intellect and because we have whatever, you know, abilities or whatever, we tend to, I do, step into God's role and I need to get out of his way a lot more. But I have the anointing. I know I do because I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. Okay, 
Here's some great scriptural evidence. First, I want to read Luke 11, verse 9 through 13. Oh, okay, I'll do this one first. Um, <laughs> thank you, honey. Um, Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So basically what this is saying is that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. Is that amazing news? The second part of the scripture is that just as Jesus was resurrected from the dead, the promise is that we have that same gift of resurrection for whatever we need it for. Yes, yes, it's for ultimate resurrection after physical life is over, resurrected to eternal life in paradise. But it also is resurrection right now. If you have something that needs resurrected in your body, your nervous system, your lymphatic system, your um, blood, maybe you have an organ like um, Ron had where his liver was dying. He needed resurrection. God gave you resurrection with that transplant. He, he heals in so many ways. But that's a promise for us. Now, that's a little rabbit trail. The bottom line is that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. Go to the next scripture, please. I'm going to be really focusing on this next week. But here's an amazing promise. The Bible says, Jesus says, So I say to you, ask, and you'll receive. It'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock. And it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? No. My husband would not. If my son asks for bread, he's not giving him a stone for dinner. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of fish? No. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. If you then, being evil, and that means a natural man, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Holy Spirit is available for upon asking. And again, I'll teach more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the next couple of weeks. But the bottom line is we have the same potential that Jesus had when he walked on this earth. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22. Now, it is God himself who has anointed us. There's that word anointing. The anointing destroys the yoke. God has anointed us. And he's constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. He knows we are his since he's also stamped the seal of love over our hearts and has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring is given to a bride, a down payment of blessings to come. God has anointed us. And the down payment of that anointing is the Holy Spirit. It's like an engagement ring. Isn't that awesome? We are the bride. I say yes. You know, Jesus says, will you be my bride? I say, yes. 
That word anoint is the same word, creo, that we saw as Jesus was anointed. That word creo, I already told you the first part of the definition, which is consecration and furnishing with the necessary powers for the administration of the messianic office. But there is a second definition in the concordance. The second definition of that word anoint is Christians being endued with power of the Holy Spirit. We also are anointed. We also are endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. As I was reading this, I noticed it doesn't say I can do all things through Jesus. It says I can do all things through Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. I can do all things through the anointed one and the anointing which strengthens me. It doesn't say who strengthens me. It says which strengthens me, the anointing which strengthens me. And it's in union with Christ. Matthew 10. This this scripture took place before Jesus had finished the work. Listen to this. He called together his 12 disciples and he gave them power. That's anointing. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. The anointing destroys the yoke. That's what he was imparting to them. And as you go on and as you go, he said, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He was giving them power of attorney. He was saying, okay, I'm giving you the legal ability to do what I do. And he's done the same thing for us. Except now we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Not just the Holy Spirit upon us, because we are, we are in a position of, of holiness in, because of the sin nature being gone, that the Holy Spirit can reside in us now. And it couldn't then. The Holy Spirit was upon them, but couldn't be in them. And then listen to this promise. John 14, Jesus is giving us a promise for after he dies and leaves. He said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He says, if you don't believe me for who I say I am, look at the evidence. Look at the proof. Look at the works. And then the very next verse, he says, Most assuredly, he's saying this with fervency, guys. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do 
that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Last week we talked about authority. We talked about the great power available to us and how when we know it, when we recognize it, when we say, God, that's you and I'm here saying, use me, I believe that power is here, that he'll do anything when we, when we know that authority and the power of attorney that we hold. And he says, we'll do even greater things. Now, the only way that can happen is through the spirit of God. It's because we're nothing. It's all him. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to, one more point, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into ministry. I want as short as teaching as possible so that we can have time for ministry. So here's the last point. When Jesus died for us, there was this amazing, great exchange So many, so many treasures. He became sin so that we could be righteous. He became sick and had and carried our pain so that we could be without pain and whole. He was tormented so that we could have peace. He was broken so we could be whole. He was poor so we could have have provision. I mean, there's one thing after another the Bible talks about. But here's the one I want to talk about today. He took our yoke. He took our burden. And he exchanged with his. So listen to this amazing scripture. It's about yokes. I couldn't teach about the, the anointing destroying the yoke without sharing this scripture. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Isn't that a beautiful promise? If you're carrying a yoke, that's a burden. If you're carrying heavy burdens, Jesus has a promise for us. But then he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, I'm going to give you rest. He talks about this exchange. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You know, I quoted this so many times or I prayed about it or I meditated on it and I never realized that Jesus didn't just say he was going to take our burden. He also said he was going to give us his yoke. He took the yoke of oppression. He defeated it. His anointing destroyed the yoke. But he gave us the anointing. He gave us righteousness. He gave us everything that we need to be in that place of rest, to be in that place of of, um, ability over the works of darkness. I have three little nuggets that I want to share about yokes that I think will, will, they help me to understand this a little bit better. The first one is a definition of what yokes are in the natural. Yokes are a harness that they use to harness animals together to do work. But listen to this. The stronger animal, 
bears the heavier burden when they're yoked together. The stronger animal bears the heavier burden and is the leader. And the weaker animal carries the lighter burden and follows. The yoke helps the weak animal. And that's what it was made to do. But they both are there. They both are together. So as I was meditating on this, I was thinking about Jesus. He's carrying the heavy burden, the heavier burden. We have the lighter burden. We are the weaker one. We are the Christians. We are not the Christ. We are the little anointed ones. And when we are yoked together in union with Christ, we work together to do amazing things on this earth. Whether it's in your own life or whether it's for others, whatever it is, we work together. We're yoked together. We're the, we're the follower. We just follow Jesus. We don't have to be the leader. We don't have to carry the weight. We don't have to know everything. We just tag along with Jesus. And he makes it easy. He gives us rest. The next one that I want to read is a, a little story about a Sunday school. Sunday school teacher read the same scripture about Jesus giving rest and, and ex- the yoke exchange. And she asked her students, what do, you, what do you know about a yoke? And one of the kids said, it's something you put on the neck and shoulders of animals. And then the teacher was probing a little bit deeper and said, well, then what yoke has God put on our neck and shoulders? And another child says, it's his arms around our neck. Yeah. Isn't that precious? Just a beautiful visual. And here's the last piece I want to share about yokes. Did you know that the cross beam of Jesus' cross was called a yoke? He bore the yoke. When he carried that cross beam on Calvary, and the weight of that beam, he couldn't even he couldn't even bear it because he was so weak that He had to have somebody help him. And then after that cross was carried to Calvary, they put the cross together and nailed him on it. He took the whole burden of humanity on the yoke of the cross. And in Hebrews 12, 2, it says that he did it with joy, not because it was joyful, but because of the prize that was at the end. For the joy of obtaining the prize, he endured that yoke. He endured the cross. And there was an exchange. He endured our burden so that we could have his. And his is light. And it gives us rest. And part of that is the anointing. The same anointing, the same spirit that was upon Jesus is now upon us and within us. That's good news, isn't it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So where-